Welcome to the Holistic Health Podcast. I'm your host, Susan Scollin, and each week I interview everyday people who have transformed their health and the amazing souls supporting them on their journey. Be inspired. Kaya is a holistic designer in the Bahamas. After a decade in design and marketing, she decided to hop off the struggle bus and instead of only creating clothing, jewelry and events, creates a life she loves instead. By using creative wellness techniques as a way to nurture herself, Kaya has been able to soothe decade-old aches and hurts. And now she's teaching busy mums how to pick up the creative tools which provide both immediate escape and lifelong inner healing, and how to do it without jeopardizing the connection with their kids. Mama Healer was born to provide you with everything you need to take the same joyful journey to self-discovery and connect you with like-minded mums ready to heal. Welcome, Kia, to my Holistic Health podcast. It's awesome to have you here and to be collaborating with you again. Thank you for being here. Um, and I love the work that you did on the Mama Summit. That was amazing. So keen to dive into all of that today with you. I'm so excited. And this is definitely a great chance to have a round two to catch up. So I'm ready to dive in. This is, I feel we really align um, with our just general message of the self-love. And that's so important, especially for moms, but just women in general. When we're always on the go and doing all the things. I think this is going to be a really good conversation today. Yeah, definitely. And normally the first question that I dive into is where is life, what what does life look like for you right now? But as our listeners will figure out, we need to sort of dive into your 2018 journey first and then we'll come through and, and show, you know, demonstrate what's going on at the moment. Um, and mm-hmm. it's a really important message that we're going to be sharing today. So thank you for being here and thank you for for sharing your message. And as I said, I'm really keen to understand where did your health journey kick off for you, what was happening and you know, what did it produce for you in your life and move you forward into? Yeah. So this all, and it's actually really interesting because I was listening to your episode with Aubrey last night because I was like, oh, this is sounding really familiar. So basically how this all started for me was at the end of um, a marriage. I was separating from my husband in 2018 and I had kind of like dreamed of this moment, like a secret fantasy for well over a year. Like, oh my, actually it's probably, it had been two years because we were still in New York together when I was really just kind of like, this isn't really working for me. I'm really struggling in this marriage. Um, but I was like, you know what, maybe just in New York, we don't have the right support. So we picked up with my then three-year-old son and moved back to my childhood home in the Bahamas. And I was like, okay, this will fix everything. I have the family support, you know, this is all great. And, you know, I put on like the, the, the happy plastic smile for like another year and a half. And I was like, you know what, this isn't working. So we separated in the middle of 2018. And I thought it was gonna be like, hey, aren't divorce parties a thing? Like, isn't this fabulous? And quickly found out, it was like, no, I'm actually still super miserable. Like, what's this about? And started to really become aware of that. Unfortunately, I thought I was going to move home to the Bahamas and have all this family support and realized that family support wasn't there and realized like, wait, it has never been there. But like as a child, I guess we don't really even understand what support is versus not support because it's just like the only reality we know. And so really it was like this loss of my husband and then coming to understand like, wait, did I not get enough hugs as a child? Like what's going on? Like, what does this all mean? And so it was really like starting from the ground up in 2018 and kind of really being like, okay, um, you know, I'm not getting the family support I need. I'm not, I'm realizing that my coping mechanisms really aren't that great uh, because before marriage and before having my son, you know, you can just go to the bar. And I guess when you're in your twenties and you're in college, you don't really think about it. It's like, oh, it's the bar. It's just chilling out. Um, and then being like, oh, wait, you can't go to the bar every day after work. That's just not okay. Oh, I'm supposed to be doing homework with my son, which is probably an exaggeration because he was three. But, you know, I have to do this all by myself now. And I have no support. And this is sounding way more dramatic than it did. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, my goodness. But it was really like this kind of like starting from the ground up and really being like, what does a healthy relationship with myself look like? Mm-hmm. And kind of carving that out and realizing also that, A lot of things that everybody told me was like, try yoga, try hot stones, get a massage, like go on a like, you know, four week trip and like do a a ayahuasca ceremony, like all these crazy things people were telling me. And I'm like, how do do I do that before I pick up my son from daycare? Like you guys fill me in Um, and being like, okay, no one's actually going to save me. I have to figure this out by myself. Um, And then one day picking up a sketchbook and being like, this actually feels good. So it started with me trying to like, do all the things and go to yoga and realizing that wasn't working for me. And then 
being like, okay, wait, I, I can actually heal from home. And it worked. Although like being back at home also brought up its own triggers, but at least I'd found like this one little shiny beacon through all that mess in 2018. So that's how it started. It started very much like, what is this shit show? <laughs> like it really was just like, what? <laughs> is this like a precursor to 2020? What is this? And highly likely, like, you know, you would have built up a lot of resist- resilience and would have learned a lot about yourself through that period. So when you, we come into 2020, you're like, oh, this is easy. We're good. We, we can cruise through this sort of stuff. It's funny because like when I, I told several people that this year and I was like, yeah, you know, like my 2018 was way worse. And they're like, <gasps> like almost like offended. Like, how dare I? Don't you know this is a pandemic? And I'm like, you didn't see my 2018. Yeah. <laughs> and so I've I had this- definitely mentally and emotionally, um, I've built some building blocks now. And so that's been great. Yeah, that's awesome. And I've had the same with 2019 for us. If I could have handed that year back, I would have 10 times over. And we've had some significant personal things happen to us in 2020. Um, But the resilience is there. The connection is there. Like I can show up for those things and be okay in that space and manage my emotions around it. So it's been really interesting that yours was in 2018. Mine was in 2019. Even after, you know, the birth of your son and, and life and, the, you know, things weren't going so well for you in New York and then you kind of had this epiphany around the lack of support that you didn't have it in New York. So you thought let's move to the Bahamas and let's see what happens. How did that flow once you kind of figured out, oh, I need to do this? It has nothing to do with support. It, I have to pick myself back up again. You know what? I feel that I had been so oblivious to the fact that I was hurt for so long. And it was like, it really took so much self-discovery to even admit that. Because I feel like I had been this like wounded child. And, you know, like, like I said, like, honestly, I didn't grow up with the nicest family upbringing. I don't want to make it like all like dramatic and a child call it. Have you ever read that book before? It's like 20 years old, but it was like this, this book about this horrible like I think it might be based on a true true story but it was a very sad because there was a lot of physical abuse and I think like growing up and thinking that's what abuse was and then like 20 years later being like oh wait yeah wait like how they say sticks and stones can break my bones but yeah no that's a lie words hurt and they stay with you for a long time and actually while I was doing my own healing journey um and kicking up all this dust realizing and remembering like how bad my relationship was with my grandmother who at one point in my childhood uh, because my mom's a single parent, uh, at one point my grandmother was almost like my primary tarca- uh, caretaker, I would say, because she was just around all the time when my mom was at work. Mm-hmm. And as I started to heal myself, I realized that, wait, like, my grandma actually is bipolar. Like, I don't say that to be like, haha, it's fun to say like words and point fingers. It's like, she really is like, one minute, she, she's very manic sometimes, but most of the time she's very negative. And so growing up, And being like now in my 30s, but remembering like really sad things she said to me, like when I was seven, like I remember one thing she would always say, I was really premature. And my mom had had several miscarriages before me. So to my mom, I was like this rainbow child, miracle baby. But I grew up a lot with my grandma telling me like, you know what, your mom really should have pulled that cord on you when you were in the incubator. And being a parent now, I cannot ever, even on my angriest days, ever imagine saying that to my son. So, you know, it's like, really sad but when you don't grow up in this place where you are nurtured in childhood you grow up thinking like if this is what my loved ones say to me like I can't even imagine what the world is like and so I grew up very um and part of my grandma's bipolar uh too was that like you know in public she wasn't like this so even when I was like you know granny says really mean things everybody else was like oh she's just playing oh you know you know uh, she whatever and I was just kind of like so I was learned to like that my feelings really weren't valid, right? Like, oh, I know nothing about myself because all the adults are telling me that granny's just showing me tough love. Um, But in public, she was very much like, oh, darling, oh, darling. And so I almost feel like as an adult, I got really used or through childhood to like wear these masks. I'm like, oh, in public, we act lovey-dovey, even though at home, I know she's going to like just ignore me for like all of the, all of the day. And so like, even though it wasn't physical abuse, it was really just this like neglect where I was just like, am I even a member of this family? Mm. And um, so I think like it was me wearing these masks all these years, like in, this can be like a little weird turn, but like I really love, love, love music. It's been my saving grace from high school or middle school even. And um, in the sixth grade, which is a little bit before middle school, um, my best friend at the time, her older brother 
introduced me to a Tupac cassette, which is really funny. It was a cassette tape, but it was like, you know, Tupac's awesome, but that doesn't mean any nine-year-old girl really actually needs to listen to him or even a nine-year-old boy for that matter, right? And so I listened to Tupac with my little Walkman on, but you know, when I had to play my music in public, like in my bedroom, I'd be listening to the Spice Girls. So it was like so funny because it was like this crazy juxtaposition where I was just like, Thinking I was mad, thug, hardcore on the inside, but outside literally looking like Scary Spice <laughs> and like being this like, because I'm, I'm five foot tall now. So like, you know, I'm just like this little like curly haired girl, like just I tell you what I want, what I really, really want. But like when I'm at home being this total like, oh, I'm hardcore person. And so I really like started to feel like as women, especially we have to choose one of these roles of the Spice Girls. So you actually have to choose if you're going to be baby spice and present yourself with this like Lolita or if you're going to be posh spice or scary spice or sporty spice or you could just be a total vamp and be ginger and funnily enough because I have wild crazy hair everybody was like you're the scary because you know you're like 13 you're the scary spice you have to pick one but I was like no I'm totally posh and so I chose to be posh because I'm not actually very like into uh name brands and labels at all but I felt that she was just like this unattainable person she always had her dark sunglasses on and like she didn't talk much and all of this and so I was like no I'm, I'm so posh and so I just and that was great for me because then I didn't have to talk much about all these like pains I had at home I just like mm-hmm. bottle them up um and so I put on this character and of course and at school everybody was like I'm snobby and then I go off to college and everybody's like, oh, you're from an island. You must just smoke all the ganja. And so I morphed into this like, oh, I just let, let's smoke weed, but let's still do our work. But let's just smoke weed all day and just chill. And then I moved to New York and I like was now this Afrocentric businesswoman where I was like in my harem pants, with my button ups and my loafers. And I feel like that had been me for like the first 30 years of my life, really just kind of like fitting into these molds of being like, what is the acceptable, you know, version of myself that I could present to society? And so when I actually like in 2018 had this kind of like none of those roles worked and now it's just me with no mask trying to like glue pieces back together. And so it was really like this. It was really like a coming home to myself because I was just kind of like I had never actually just been like, what do I want to do? Like what not who would I want to present myself as, but who am I actually as a person and not even being deep like what's my purpose in life, but just being like. Like literally question mark, fill in the blanks, like pick your color and just start filling it in. And so I don't even know what the question was anymore, Susan, because that's how deep that was. <laughs> but it's been like such a crazy, like society's going to paint a picture for you if you don't paint it for yourself. Absolutely. And yes, that was, that was a cool art pun that I just threw in there. And I'm very proud of myself for that one. <laughs> I think it's in the four agreements where Miguel Ruiz, if I've got it correct, um, talks mm-hmm. about that. If you don't... Um, I'm going to say compartmentalize your children. If you don't teach your children your rules, then someone else is going to teach them for you. So yep. it's that whole you've you've got to take on that responsibility as a parent. But obviously, you can do it through society. If, if you don't do it for yourself and you don't stop and go, who am I and what do I want to achieve? Then you're going to fall into this. Oh well, I'll be this person today and I'll be that person today and the next person you know, the next day and you're not actually happy. You know, generally speaking, you're constantly looking for the happiness or what's the next, you know, drug or, you know, as in kick for yourself, not necessarily physical drug, but what's the next person that I need to make happy and pleased to be able to get the outcome that I need to be able to survive. Right. And I feel like even by doing that though, because what I really have realized when I was like, hey, what do I do next? And even when I doubt myself, like the conversation I had with you a couple of days ago, I was just like, self-trust is just such a major thing. And it's something that a lot of us aren't taught because, you know, as children, we are supposed to be taught by our parents, like what the world looks like as a bigger picture. But then depending on your parenting, you either get nurtured where you're like, hey, you can figure this out, buddy, you can do this. Or you get told, no, 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 scold, scold, scold. And unfortunately, I was really the latter. And so I developed this thing of like, everybody else must know. So even when my marriage is really struggling, I was kind of like, well, you know, I grew up in a single parent home. Maybe I just don't know what marriages are like. Like maybe it is just me. And so when I listened to the episode with Aubrey last night, I was kind of like, yeah, like I really was just like, you know what I put in, like, that's how come even like after things got really bad and he started all the name calling and all this, I was just like, no, I've been working my darndest and, you know, making steak and potatoes every day and doing all the things and being like, it still didn't work. And at one point being like, but I feel like I'm the only one trying in this relationship though. And it just can't be like this. Mm -hmm. So even though I was so used to for years doing everything by myself, I was just like, marriage is the one thing that I actually cannot do by myself, you know? 
Yes, and you definitely need that other partner who is, you know, there with you to collaborate and to achieve the outcome and to grow with you as well. Otherwise, yeah, mm-hmm. you are by yourself. It's, it is a two-way street. It's not a, just a I'm in a marriage by myself. That's, that's, that's not a marriage. It, it doesn't even make sense as a word because the marriage actually is a partnership, you know, yeah. so. Correct. So tell me, how did you go around? You, you talked about the, all the masks that you had over time. How do you go back and peel all of those off to then figure out who you are now? Or did you just let them all go and go, this isn't who I am, now let, let me find out who I am and let me dive into that and move forward as opposed to looking back? It really was a lot of, like I said, self-discovery. And it's interesting because, like, you know, when you look, when I look back on it, everything makes sense. Um, but, like, in the time, because even, like, I really believe if I, if we had stayed in New York, I do not know if I would have um, had the strength to leave, you know, because it was just me and my ex. Yeah, we had a church community we were a part of, but I didn't have that real, like, okay, this is my home. I remember these landmarks. Like, New York, even though I was there for six years, I was still technically a tourist, you know? So, like, to be back home and be like, okay, this is almost like, start out. this is almost like starting from ground zero again. Um, but honestly, nothing else was working for me at the time because it's like, I was, when I tell you, I felt like I was having an identity crisis at the end of my marriage is because like, I was like getting dressed in the morning and then being like, I don't want to wear this outfit today. And I'm like, didn't you just wear it two days ago (laughs) or maybe a week ago and you were okay. But all of a sudden I was like, I don't even know how I want to present myself to the world. And everything got really like, like, what do I, what do I wear to go to the grocery store? I don't know the same thing you've been wearing for 34 years. And so it's really funny that at first it started really with this outward appearance. Like, how do I present? What do I identify as? Mm -hmm. Um, And also I had dated women primarily before my husband for like my entire adult life. And so like, it was this almost feeling of like, I don't like literally like, when I'm talking about, like, I don't know how to identify. It was like, which, which one of the, which one of the letters am I now? Like what, what, do I wear pink? Do I not? Like, what does this mean? It was like, it was like, and I know that shouldn't even matter, but it was like, I just was like, I am trying to cling and grab and grasp as straws for some bucket to put myself in. Um, and so really it was all of that. And also I had started working remotely when we came back to the Bahamas. So it was kind of like a gift and a curse because I was alone all the time. So I was working, you know, from the house where I had all these arguments with my ex in. At the same time, I didn't have to worry about like my coworkers seeing me all like red eyed every day and like see me crying in the bathroom. So it was like, like honestly building myself this little cocoon and starting from there. Yeah. And it's important to have those safe places when you're rebuilding. You know, I was fortunate after my postnatal depression, I still, you know, I had my home. And I could always come back to my home no matter what else was going on. I could always come back and that was our safe space. Um, but you mentioned around buckets and you were trying to reach out and fit into sort of buckets in society effectively. Um, what do you think about pigeonholing people, like putting them into a, you know, like putting them into a hole? So, for example, when I first got together with my husband or now husband, he I always just called him my friend and people were like, he's not your friend, he's like your boyfriend. I'm like, yeah, but Mm -hmm. I'm not comfortable with that term. And then it was this whole he's your fiancé and I'm like, no, I'm still not comfortable with that term. And it wasn't until we were, you know, married that I called him my husband. But other than that, he was always, you know, first and foremost his friend. I've always struggled with labels in that space. What do you think about that? Do you struggle with labels as well now or is it more about creating that fluidity in identity? I think because, well, even in general, um, I was thinking about this the other day when I think about my design career. Um, I haven't taken a very linear design path. Like a lot of people, like like let's say if I were, you know, working in accounting, you know, the, you'd go to school and, you know, start working with the corporate ladder and then you'd be like, I guess, an assistant account manager. I don't exactly know the terms of the accounting corporate ladder, but I would assume it'd be like an assistant manager, then a manager, then like the executive manager, et cetera. And so for design, I've kind of like bounced around a bit and done like fashion design. Then I did visual merchandising, then some event planning, then jewelry design, which started out as jewelry design, but worked into graphics and marketing and like the last five years as a creative designer. And like, there was always a lot, a lot of doubt in me. Like, am I doing this right? Because, you know, everybody says the jack of all trades, the master of none. So maybe I have to put in like 10,000 hours to really be like, you know, and so all by doing all of that, I really was pigeonholing myself. Um, but I think as a society, and maybe it's because 
you know, back in, like, back in the day, it made sense to kind of, like, categorize stuff. Like, if you saw a long, squiggly thing without legs that was squirming around, like, oh, that's a snake. You know, like, this is how we identify it. It's like, we have to put things in buckets. Like, how do you know an apple is an orange? Like, oh, because these are the characteristics. Mm-hmm. So I think it makes it easy to categorize and get a broad picture. But then we have to realize that every, you know, and it could be like nurture nature and all this stuff, but every person is actually so different. And we actually are doing ourselves and that person a, dis- a disservice. If all we do is say like, hey, no, like like I said, no, you're, you're baby spice. You don't get to wear the tracksuit. You know what I mean? And so it really is this like this realization that like we are like yeah, we're like hurting everybody by not really understanding how like, it's all, it's it's pretty much exactly like the colors of the rainbow, right? Like we need them all to make it whole. And that's how I feel about it, definitely. Yeah, I love how you use the analogy of the rainbow because it's not a rainbow without all the different colors. And it's Mm -hmm. the same with all, you know, every human being on this planet is unique and we all have something different to give. So it's really beautiful when we can start to um, really cherish each other cherish each other and cherish the gifts that we bring and not actually pigeonhole and go, oh, you're actually a good fit over here to do this piece of work or this relationship will work for you, you know, friendship or whatever it might be, and, and then you move into that space. But it all looks very different, which I, which I really love. Yeah, and a lot of that comes from definitely the self-reflection and self-discovery, especially like today, like even with my son, like he'll just go on YouTube and I'm like, what are you watching? Who's this channel? Like, because there's so much content now to kind of like tell people from a young age. Like, I'm like, it's not just the one Nickelodeon now. Like, I feel like it's like all of this, like, you know, my son was, he came in one day doing a dance and I'm like, who taught you this dance? Oh, the internet. Oh, who taught you this? Oh, the internet. And it's like so scary because like, I was like, he's six. When I was six, all I had was that. And not that I made like the one channel on cable television any worse than this, but it just feels like they're coming in from all sides now. Yeah. And they've got, they're exposed to so much, but so are we. Like we have to really put up some boundaries around what we're actually bringing in and go, that's not aligned with us and be okay to go, no, I'm not playing in that space. I'm, I'm staying right here for whatever reason. And I might go over there later, but just stay, I'm just going to stay here and stay in my own lane. Yeah. I think, um, learning that there actually isn't a rush. I think as, you know, because my my son the other day, he's six and he was like, I can't wait to grow up so I could do what I want and like, you know, stay up late. And I'm just like, I must be making this look really fun, my child. It's not that great. (laughs) Please hold on to your childhood. Um, But I think a lot of it comes from this kind of like feeling that like we're not enough and there must be something better just like right out of our grasp. Mm. And like, oh, we're running out of time. I have to do this by 18. I have to do this by 25. And then realizing, oh, no, I'm in my 30s. And this is actually still like my baby phase of life. Like, you know, I forget who it is, but like, I think it might be some tribe or something. But like, I know there's someone somewhere that has like the three phases of life and how it's like, you know, the baby novice and then it's the sage and the crone. Maybe that's a witch thing. I get so much inspiration from everywhere. I'm like, Pinterest, teach me something today. But I thought that was really interesting when I thought about it. I was like, oh, in my 30s, I'm still actually in this baby phase where I was just learning and absorbing. And I'm like, okay, I've absorbed now. I've definitely, I've mastered the absorbing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And time to go out and spread my wings out into the world. and yeah, Exactly. Put, put and out be like, my story. Exactly. But know that what I've learned now actually is valuable to contribute. And Correct. so I was like, it's almost like, you know, with courses, I know with me, I'm like, I need another course before I can do anything. I need like someone else to tell me exactly how to set up this landing page and all of the things. And now I'm like, wait, I can do this. I don't need five courses. Like I have got it now, you know? Yeah, that's exactly right. And then you can, you talked about self-trust before. So actually believing in yourself and then putting, trusting that you have the tools and you have the resources. And if you don't, just head over onto the internet because clearly it's going to teach you anyway and you can have that landing page or that program out or you can have that ebook or whatever you're working on at the time you can get that out into the world and that is enough and slowing mm-hmm. down is a big thing right so I think right. you can be once more you, creative once you actually start and get that momentum behind you it just it's easier you know so yeah. you have to actually just start it and then the you know you start to gain momentum the snowball is going to get bigger after that yeah, totally. You mentioned before about, you know, when growing up your feelings weren't valid. How do you now move through feelings? Because a lot of people buffer with feelings, you know, that don't want to feel them even though that they do, um, that they're, you know, adding alcohol or drugs or food or whatever into their life. How do you manage them now going forward? Uh, I just take a deep breath first, but a lot of it really comes from realizing that it's okay to feel the feeling. So before, and for so many years, I would just 
immediately like, okay, no, I'm going to like put on my music or just drown out my sorrow or like go to the bar and all this stuff. And then really being like, it's okay to be frustrated. Like if you weren't frustrated at all in 2020, at least once, then like you're not human. You know what I mean? Like it's okay to actually feel these feelings. And that's the only way you actually going to get to the root problem. So like if you just continuously like, okay, it's time for my drink. Um, not only is that very dangerous, but you're never going to, because like I said, I came back home and it had taken me a decade to really understand like anything. Like I was kind of like, wait, why haven't I visited my home for like the past 10 Christmases? That's not normal behavior. And really realizing is because like subconsciously my body knew that I didn't want to be here. Like I didn't want to be at this Christmas table where I felt invalidated, which might be why I'm so triggered during the holidays now. But it's just like one of those things where I had to be like, okay, wait, like feel this out. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then after that, I, I mean, I was doing a lot of journaling was doing the art at the time and using kind of like my journal entries and words, et cetera, to really um, repaint a picture for myself. Like once again, no pun intended, but like really being like, okay, feel the feelings, let it out. And even when you have your like ugly days, knowing that doesn't make you like a bad person. Like, you know what I mean? Like, oh my God, I mom raged. It's okay. <laughs> like yeah. you're still like a good mom. Like you don't, don't like overly stress about that one day because it really is the bigger picture of your life. Your life's not going to be that one day in 1979. Like it really is. Okay. Here's your 80 years. And, you know, putting all those little specks of sand together to make this big picture. Yeah. And it's often like the the story that you tell yourself is very different to the story that other people tell about you. Like they may say you're very outgoing and you're friendly and you're kind and you go, actually, no, I'm not not a kind person. I'm, you know, I'm mean all the time. I yell, I do all these things. And they're like, no, you don't. And it's really that um, it's almost like a rub, isn't it, against who we often tell ourselves are and who we actually are. And people outside of us can see a better picture of ourselves than we can. Yeah. And I think that we just, we're hard on ourselves, man. I don't know. I don't know if it's everyone or just me, but I have a feeling that everybody I've ever met says the same thing, but we are just hard on ourselves. And I feel it's like, it is this thing of we're like, okay, we have to be this perfect. We have to present as this perfect person. And then every bad thing we do, we're like, oh, that, that's not perfect. That's not nice. That, and then we like go like, oh no, that's not nice, but it's human. I think once we actually get to that point of being like, constant grace constant forgiveness is actually when like that's the healing power like you know when you realize like you don't have to be perfect to still be totally worth it you know and yeah worthy of love and worthy of a beautiful life and yeah there's one way to be perfect and a million ways to be imperfect and I think we learn more through the imperfect space than we do through the perfect because we're blocking everything from that that perspective definitely yeah yeah so tell me you know that was your 2018 journey and what's going on now for you where are you at now well I'm still very much on the healing journey uh but I think it's interesting because since I used art as a healing journey it's been like really interesting because at first I was just like kind of like sketching etc and then I came on Instagram and started like posting my artwork and so you know moms were saying like oh my god this really resonates these captions really resonate with me etc um but then I started to once again pigeonhole myself where I was kind of like oh my god I've presented myself in this way that I'm this like fabulous art healer now and so now I have to like at least do sketches every day and I started to do like a strategy on how I was going to make that work and so I was like okay if I every day put like a sketch in my stories then like that means I only have to post once a week on Instagram but if I make the caption really good and so like got to be this thing like this thing that's supposed to be this vehicle for healing for me turned into like this is now like maybe a business and I feel like so many of us do that like everything is like we have to have a side hustle and so very quickly this thing that was supposed to be like nurturing turned into like oh my god am I just gonna paint for the rest of my life and the thing with me is that like I was saying art healing because to me as a creative, anything I do can be art. So I was like, I can bake a cake. And to me, that's mm-hmm. art. I can go out in the garden and pick a bouquet of flowers and that's art. But everyone else was just like, so do I have to buy, what kind of paintbrush do I use? And like every question everybody was throwing at me was about paints and supplies and what kind of canvas I use. And I'm just like, the imposter syndrome said it. Cause I'm just like, I don't know the cheapest one on Amazon. Like I, like, I have no special tricks for you. Like, I'm sorry. Uh, and so wait, tell me the question again. <laughs> I'm just trying to remember what it was. <laughs> but 
you were talking about how art was really nurturing for you, but we were talking about where your journey is now because you're in a, you you're still going through your healing journey, which I think is really important for everybody to know that even though this stuff happened in 2018 and you've been able to unpick some of that and move forward and found, find your own voice and find your way forward, you've still hit this like I think there's something else going on for me and right. you're starting to unpick that, yeah. Got it. And so it really then took a lot of like journaling and being like, wait, what, is it okay for me to not be totally only an art healer? Can I just be me? And so while doing all of that and being like, let me take a break from painting. Let me see what else I can do when I'm just not like putting myself up against all these standards. I realized that I'm really, you know, super into nature, that I'm super into all things creative. Like I said, like, even if that made putting like some food coloring in my waffles that day, just to be like, fun and quirky and adding some color to my life. Um, and so I began like really nurturing myself just through all forms of creativity and like kind of like have morphed away from art healing to just creative wellness uh, because that allows me to really just be like, okay, like I can sit and if I want to now try doing some horrible yoga poses, I can do that and not feel bad that I still two years later, don't know what Tadasana means, still don't know, guys. And I'm probably, that's going to be the one thing I'll never Google because it's just, it's not that important to me. That doesn't mean that some yoga might not work for me. It means that I'm still figuring everything out and giving myself the grace to be like, and that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It really is all okay because we all are creative beings and it's our jobs almost to figure out this thing for us. And it's not going to always be the same thing in every season, but that's okay. Part of the fun, not to like tell ourselves like, oh, you did this wrong this season, but to be like, okay, so what else can I add to my wellness toolkit to make this really work for me? Yeah. And I love how you mentioned that every season we change and we evolve and we can, you know, women have four seasons in a month with our period. So literally we can be changing constantly through the month and we often, you know, beat ourselves up because we haven't been consistent in our routines. But the reality is our body doesn't need us to be consistent i.e. in certain ways, like I don't want, you know, people going out and going, oh, well, I can have processed food every day. It's not about that, but it's around, you know, you could bring in the seed cycling and you can start playing around with what does my body need right now? What nutrients does it need because I'm building up to my period and then what does it need on the, when I'm shedding? And then on the other side, when I'm in my, you know, spring and summer, what does mm-hmm. that look like for me? Um, and then how does that evolve? And being okay with that evolution. Like some days you just need to sleep. So sleep, you know, if you can, obviously, you know, around work, work commitments, not always the way, but if you can sleep or just get some extra hours, um, do what you can in that space just to meet your body's needs. So being in touch with your body. Mm-hmm. Big, big stuff. Um, so tell me about the art healer work. What was that looking like? Because as you said before, you um, are using it for your own healing and you came across this tool. And what I loved about that was it was so unique to you. Like art healing is not something that I do. I do a lot of journaling and I do meditation and um, I've got the yoga mat down and I was on there on Monday, you know, I'm not consistent in that space. But there's lots of other little, you know, self-love things that I do for myself. But that was definitely something that came into your space. And have you always, obviously you're in design, but has um, art always been a big part of your life? And then how did it creep back in? Yeah, well, I mean, art, it's funny because like, just like how you said, everybody goes, oh, you're, you're in design. You've worked in design for a decade. You're clearly like creative. But in my family, it was just one of those things that just wasn't, once again, validated. So I felt like I was this person that wasn't validated. None of my hobbies were validated. Like, and I remember as a kid, like, I think one of the first videos I owned on VHS was Beauty and the Beast. And I, I don't think a lot of kids do this, but I became obsessed with drawing, drawing the rose that was kind of like, you know, when the last petal falls, the beast will be the beast forever. I would draw this rose on every single thing I owned. And then I started drawing other roses, which is really interesting because I'm like pretty tatted, tatted now. And, you know, roses are like this really classic old school tattoo. But like, I remember like just drawing roses everywhere. And then like first job I had was in retail and I would always be trying to like dress the mannequins. And I was like probably like 15 at the time of working a summer job, but right across the street was this tattoo parlor. And I remember going in there at like 14, like they shouldn't have let me in the door, but I was just like, I want to draw, like, let me apprentice for you. And I was like, so like, I can do this. And they were kind of just like, who is this little girl? Please get her back outside. And it, it's been a struggle all these years to even call myself, even like even though on my business card it says designer, like I would be like, oh, well, you know, it's really more marketing and oh, it's really more graphics. Like I would like saying designer to me because I mean, think about it. Like who is the designer? God's a designer. Like, oh my God, for saying I'm a designer. Like, you know what I mean? It was just really just like, am I even this creative to call myself this? Uh, and 
so even though for a decade I've worked in design, it is always, and even though I've got my own creative liberties in that, it's always been kind of like, okay, I'm doing this for this company. What is their brand aesthetic? What do they want from this? What is, what are the goals and the missions and the guidelines? And so coming back and finding art for myself, when I picked up that sketchbook that first time, it was literally a book I bought probably like three years ago on Amazon, never opened it. And it was just sitting there. So it wasn't like, I was like, oh, this is my weekly practice. Let me just dive in. It was still very brand new to me. Uh, And it's really interesting because when I think about uh, how the images just came to me, I didn't like sit there and plot it. Like, okay, this is my mood board. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But like those first images that I drew, which all started like at the end of my marriage, like my husband and I were still living together at the time. And it was like one of those things where we would be like in this nightly routine, like we'd be like ships in the night all day long. And then in the evening after my son would be in bed, he'd be like, you want to watch Netflix? And I'd just be like, okay. And like one day I was kind of like, bro, I can't watch one more sci-fi movie. And I love sci-fi, but it's just like, these are my little few hours of quiet time after being with a three-year-old. Like, no, I don't want to watch another sci-fi movie because I'm actually right now overly stimulated, which is what I was realizing after I just chatted with you the other day. I'm like, you know what? I'm just over, I'm overstimulated. With all the music and all the um, podcasts and like the news of COVID right now in this moment, I'm very overstimulated. And I realized that that was what was happening to me uh, in 2018 as well. Cause I was like getting told by my boss on the computer every day and my husband telling me, okay, steak and potatoes and all these things. And I was like, what, but what do I want? And where am I going to find my like mental silence? And so art really did that for me, but it was like in this way, like I started drawing one day and like the, I swear one of the first sketches I did was this mermaid. That's still like my favorite piece. But in that season of my first drawings, I was, like, was really into this nautical theme by accident. So I pick up my pen and like I drew mermaids and I have this one image of a seaplane that's escaping from a deserted island and another image of like a pirate boat, a pirate ship, that shipwreck on the, on the shore. And it was like these really like nautical themes. And I'm like, what's, what, is this just because I moved back home? Like, where's all this coming from? Uh, but when I look at it as an entire collection, I was like, whoa, you know, like this shipwrecked boat is really kind of like me telling the story of where I was right there, where I'm just kind of like, I'm shipwrecked. But then I started to look at it like, well, you know, to be a pirate ship, you have to have been on an adventure. You know what I mean? So I started to really just start to tell myself a new story with the art where I'm like, yeah, this was your adventure. And like, yeah, you you're now like shipwrecked. But now this seaplane is you getting off of it. And like it really was like so like crazy how it's like, whoa, I've been really subconsciously telling this story. And so this mermaid piece that was like the first thing I drew when I came back and looked at it. And I just saw her face, like she just had this, like her eyes are closed. She's looking up, like upwards and she's so relaxed, but also very wild. Like her hair is all like crazy in the background and all over the place. And like, I titled it Swimming in Grace. And I realized now, like where I'm just like, whoa, like that's actually all you really ever needed. So instead of being like, oh my God, I'm a failure if the marriage doesn't work, just give yourself that grace. And like, once I started to do that, everything started to, well, not unfurl, but started to really, I guess, unfold. Yeah, I love how you talked about that and the analogy of the work that you were doing and then the reflection of that coming back into your life and you're making me reflect now on my story and what I've done since then and how how that kind of plays out. So that's really interesting and I think that will resonate with a lot of people who are listening to the podcast. One of the other questions that comes up um, is how do you make these changes, especially as a single mum and so you've got your, you've got your son who is now six, three at the time, you know, how do you integrate these changes? How do you make them work for you um, in amongst, you know, working and looking after him and, and running a household and doing all the things? It's a very uh, slow process. Like I wish I could say, and then, you know, like so many of us are like, wait, I need a fix in 40, 48 hours. Um, it is a slower process. And so what really, especially with creative wellness, luckily I get to kind of like include him in a lot of the activities. Mm-hmm. If it's that day, sometimes I really just do need my alone time. And so I have to work either, you know, late in the night or in the morning or when he's at school and work around the schedule. But I mean, that's what life as a parent is like is working around and in those mm-hmm. odd times. Um, but I feel once you find something that works for you and you're like, okay, let me try the journal. Okay. I'll try this for a couple of weeks. That didn't work for me. Okay. Let me revisit this. Maybe all I need to do is sit for, you know, 10 minutes with a cup of tea in silence, you know, start to figure out the small things that will work for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really believe that once you do that, it's such a joy. Like it's such a joy to finally meet myself like to be in my 30s and be like hey Kia nice to meet you for the first time ever when you're not wearing masks and crazy hair and like oh I'm a designer and I'm quirky today like and just being just 
you know, just basic. Like I know it's like horrible these days to be a basic person, but just to just be like, Hey, I'm showing up as human. Um, it's a joy to me. And so I think that excitement, once you start to peel that back, it feels really good. Like it really is a dopamine hit. And so I think once you start to get those little, those little bits in, you actually go, I want to feel this way all the time. Like, I don't like doubting myself and having to like, you know, like be mad because I couldn't find a parking space in a parking lot. Like, why am I mad at myself? Like I, I picked the wrong time to come to the shopping center. What? Yeah. You know, but it, it feels good the more I lean into it. And so I'm going to keep feeding it, you know, because like, you know how they say you feed the wolf and you either have like the good wolf or the bad wolf. And so you're going to be fierce in whatever you do. So at least lean into the the happy feelings, that happy fierceness. Yeah, I love that fierceness. That's cool. So what would you say are your biggest lessons? What if across this period of your time in your life, what are, what were your biggest lessons? There are actually two things we touched done already which is just that it's not don't don't believe not don't believe but you know don't believe that everybody else's journey is the one that you should be taking Mm -hmm. um and that's the healing journey that's the life journey it's all of it like it's okay for you to be like hey no I'm just going to explore for a little while over here because at the end of the day this really is this life is your adventure you know and you don't want to be at the end of it being like oh I followed everybody's maps and I didn't ever get to that treasure chest not that it's going to be this one big epiphany moment but realizing that everything isn't for you and that's okay you don't have to be like miss zen yoga you don't have to do the ayahuasca I always say that word wrong ayahuasca ceremonies it literally can just be as simple as you know going outside sitting in your front yard reading a book learning a new hobby um and then also that it's going to be slow I think a lot of times I was kind of just like what what but but love and light right isn't that isn't it love and light am I am I doing it wrong and then being like oh wait okay no it's gonna it's gonna be some painful moments but that's actually how you heal like if you think of Rumi and you think of all these like great philosophers they never said anything about it being easy but those are the words that we love the most when they're just telling us the truth about life and about how it unfolds and about taking your time. But we like only take out the, the certain tidbits and leave everything else. And so when we actually go and like slow down and go, okay, wait, I can do this. I can find my own way. I can trust myself. And I can even go back and revisit and nurture old wounds. I think like a lot of my work um, and doing like a lot of inner child healing, like I kind of was like, oh, it's too late. I'm, I'm an adult now. How do I heal my inner child? But being like, no, that person's still there and just sit down and listen. Yeah. You know, just sit down and listen because your body knows. It's like how they say the body keeps the score. Like your body knows what's going on. And like a lot of time is our subconscious just like putting up the walls. Like, nope, nothing to see here. Just just keep on cementing these holes and hold and band-aid and, you know, like putting bandages on these glass. <laughs> oh, oh, it's falling down. Yeah. <laughs> and being like, okay, it's okay to start from the bottom and start from the ground up again. Yeah. And often, you know, getting support in that space would be good, but just knowing that you're in a safe space and, you know, maybe journaling is your thing that you kind of start to unpick, like pick a moment in your life and go, well, how do I want to actually think about this now as opposed to how I did then? Um, or, you know, particularly if it's not too dark, but if it's if it's dark, then you might need to get some some support um, to do that sort of stuff. But as you said, just trusting in yourself um, and believing in yourself that it's possible and that nothing needs to change. Like you can create, you can get all this information out on paper, you can get all your thoughts out um, and you can get it, can rewire your brain effectively, but nothing needs to change. And that's often where the fear comes in. What, who am I going to hurt from the past or who am I hurting in the future? But if you don't do the work, you're actually hurting yourself in the present. Right. And I actually did um, at the beginning of this year in January, start seeing a therapist after, you know, doing it solo for two years. But I honestly, if I didn't do that solo work first, I would have still been in so much denial that I would not have gone to therapy. And I feel I didn't like it really stopped because of COVID and I didn't really bother doing like the online sessions and all that because what like, oh, I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> forgot to go, drop this tidbit, but I actually was majoring in psychology when I finished high school. And so I think a lot of it, like, I actually really remember sitting in my child psychology class, like in 2005, and being like, what did she say about not getting enough hugs? Does that make a sociopath? And kid you not, the next year I was working, I was uh, going to school for fashion. Like, my body was just kind of like, you are not even ready to to get there yet. And so I spent a decade doing all this, like, super external work and pretty colors and glitter and lights and all this. And then in 2018, was like, okay, now I am ready because I have no other choice and I'm backed into a corner. But now I can start doing this internal work. And so I think a lot of the, the stuff, too, as I was trying to do my own self-healing journey, 
uh, it was me being like, oh, I know enough. I know about Freud. I know about, you know, Nietzsche and all these things. And um, then I actually went to a therapist and it was great because someone else was in the room getting to listen to me. So not me, just me just in the room like, hey, how are you feeling today, Kia? Kia, I'm great. How about you? Hey, you know, and it's not this, this solo back and forth, but that validation because it was like all those things that I'm like, and then this happened and my grandma said this, like to have someone that's actually trained tell you like, okay, I see you, I, you know, this, 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 it just is different. It was different than me being like, I think this is bad, but I don't trust myself enough to know if this is bad. You know what I mean? So having someone else does help. That doesn't mean that you're going to have to see a therapist for the rest of your life or anything like that. Sometimes it really only takes a couple of sessions mm-hmm. um, for them to kind of unravel what you couldn't do by yourself. So, you know, if you're thinking that you want to try out therapy, I definitely am not telling you not to do it. I'm not telling you that self-healing is the only way, but I do feel that there's always space in your regimen for self-healing. Like don't solely think because like that's what I you know like I've had friends too like they're on prescription meds or whatever and then they like they're like one pill short and then there's like oh my god the pharmacist and I and I'm like no like you know get a couple of tools let's work it out like it's a it's a big picture thing it's not only the pharmacist and not only the therapist like you're involved in your life as well so even if you can't do it solo like hold hands with those other people that can help you yeah that's beautiful I love the holding hands and just having that support around you and like you said it's not just about the drugs it's all the other tools that you have with you so it's that blend of eastern and western that we need to be aware of and just sort of bring together to make some massive difference yeah so this is a good turning point for us to talk about self-love because we're both massive believers in self-love and and put that tool in our toolkit what's Mm -hmm. one thing that you do for self-love Okay. One thing that I'm doing for self-love is listening to myself. (laughs) Like once again, it's the self-trust, but it's knowing when things aren't working. So like I said, I've always been super into music, but now realizing that in COVID in this season, that's not going to work for me. So, you know, cause I am that person, like I get really into music. I'm going to like lip sync all the words. I'll be dancing around my living room. And, you know, for, for so long, that was my thing. That's what I did. And so now being at home and with my son at home, you know, like I'm listening to a song and I'm like all like dancing and then he'll come and ask me a question. And I'm just like, don't you see mommy's in concert? Like I was finding myself getting super irritated. Like, listen, listen, like if I was like some super pop star, would you interrupt me? Like clearly I'm not being delicious enough if you don't get that this is serious business when mommy dances around the living room. All I wanted was three minutes and 46 seconds. And then I like caught myself and then it was just like, whoa, who is this person? Because first of all, after I do that, I have to restart the song and like do the whole thing all over. And so I was kind of like, wait, this, this isn't, what you want right now like yes this like this isn't the zen music this isn't whatever this is really overstimulating you so realizing like not everything's gonna work even if it's your favorite thing in the world and Mm -hmm. that's okay you can just sit down and chill so now I'm like okay I actually need to sit down and be quiet and find stillness or like you know even though like it makes me feel guilty for the first 10 minutes being like okay no I really do need you to be in another room and you know set myself my son up with something in the other room so that he can be occupied while I get myself sorted and that's okay so it's just really been about me listening to like okay do you want some tea like remember just to take care of yourself just as much as you would with my like my son would never go a day hungry right like from in the morning like okay I have this I have his fruit I have this I have a juice box his entire day of food is already like planned in my mind but I don't do the same thing with myself and realizing like you're just as worthy to take care of yourself even if it seems like simple ways like oh my god planning that you're gonna eat yeah food's important you know what I mean like when you don't eat you know you're going to be hangry and like you know so just being aware enough to be like hey it's okay for me to take care of myself as a mom I still need to take care of myself like even though you think you're running around all day and saving the world and really you are you have to like take care of yourself first and so really um the beach is one of my favorite things I think like honestly when I think about like I don't know how I would have done this if I was in New York and didn't have the beach and didn't have my own yard to be in so a lot of it is going to the beach or sitting outside or like just sitting under a tree. My son went to the park. We were in the park on Sunday and I just sat up under a tree and I'm like, I was leaning with my back against the tree and I'm like, this feels really nice. And I was like, I've actually never tried tree hugging before, but my back's to the tree. So I think I'm reverse tree hugging. Like, I don't know if this is like the reverse cowgirl of tree hugging positions or how it works, but like just realizing that nature is my jam and like, that's super valid. Like, it's not like this woo-woo, like, oh, only Snow White does that. Like, no, like, it's okay for you to be like, nature's my jam, drawing's my jam, sitting's my jam, singing's my jam, and just finding those, like, small things that light you up. Yeah. It's really normally the small things, you know? 
And it is absolutely the small things that light you up. Like, and they're, they're the things that you remember them. They're the small tools that you can turn to at any point. So thank you for sharing that with us. Mm-hmm. Now, keen to know um, what's one thing that we can do to serve you. You provide us with heaps of information here and very tangible and really supportive. So what's one way that we could serve you? Okay, well, if this sounded good to you, I actually just released a workbook via Amazon and it's interesting because there's a lot of lessons. It's a workbook and guide. And so it's a lot of lessons that I've learned along the way and also things that I've done um, in a few of my own workshops that I've done online and in person. It's not all art stuff. A lot of it is journaling. And so the point of the workbook is called Mama Map. And it's all about self-discovery and like kind of like creating your own map. So it's not like me saying like, this is your starting point. This is your goal. It really is about you being like, okay, hey, what do I regret from childhood or one of the things I feel like I'm lacking is 119 pages of these questions of like self-love more than a mom um really painting big picture goals because I really believe like we all have this big desire within us and it, some of it is super simple so some of it might be like hey I know like at the end of the day I want to live in this city but like we live 10 hours away and we're not doing anything to be like, okay, so should I be looking for jobs in the city? Should I be checking out the weather in the city? Like, how do I want to get to the end of this big picture? And so Mama Map is really all about asking the questions for self-discovery to nurture yourself, um, nurture your inner child, and hopefully, you know, get us to these big picture, wonderful lives that we all have and deserve. Yes. And so, yeah, it's on Amazon. Mm-hmm. It is all possible. So awesome. We'll link to that in the show notes. And how can people find you? What's the best avenues to to tap into you and your resources? Yeah, you can find me. My website is mamahealer.com. But the best way is to chat with me on Instagram. I'm pretty, pretty much always on. I don't always post, but if you want to reach out, I'm always in my DMs and I'd love to chat. Cool. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with us before we jump off? No, just a big thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much. And thank you for all the work that you're doing in the world. As um, I mentioned at the start, we did the Mama Summit because you instigated that and you created that and put that out into the world um, just to inspire other women and to create, you know, empower them to be their own best friend and nurture the relationship with themselves. So it was an honour to work with you on that. So thank you so much. And thank you for being here today and sharing your story. You're welcome. Thanks, Susan. Thank you for joining me on my Holistic Health Podcast. It's been great to have you and I have a few small favours to ask so we can spread the word about this podcast further and encourage others to dive into their health journeys. Firstly, head over to susanscollin.com and tell us what resonated with you. Secondly, subscribe and leave a five-star review. The next thing I'd really love you to do is to share this episode with someone you love and head over to my private Facebook group, Holistic Health with Susan Scollin and continue to up-level your own health and wellness. Thank you so much for being here.